When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don McGreca, and Game Misconduct on a Monday usually means EJ Raddick from the NHL Network, NHL Now. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm good. Playoffs, there's so much going on. The games are just absolutely crazy. And how about this weekend? Eight road teams win. How about that, right? No, perfect eight. No, unbelievable. That it, it is really unbelievable, and and there's been um, a ton of comebacks too. It just seems like that Kings Oilers series. Uh, no lead is safe, right? Even last night, no, just the way no. the way the, the way the Kings are playing, it's three nothing after one, and like oh, it looks it looked like the Oilers are in a lot of trouble, and they end up winning the game in overtime, and tons of overtimes, tons of comebacks. Uh, that has been a really fun series, EJ. Yeah, that's when you think about it, right? That was game game four was game one in reverse, except right. it was a, you know, it was two nothing and not three nothing. So three nothing is a little bit deeper to come back from, but it was three nothing in the first period, and then Edmonton roars back. They get two power play goals, the last of which I think was like eleven seconds left in the second period. You know, Jack Campbell has to come in off the bench, which definitely leads to a very interesting decision that Jay Woodcroft is going to have to make moving forward, but uh, in the end, and you know, Zach Hyman was one guy who was like, boy, where's Zach Hyman? He was so much more noticeable in the playoffs last year, but in the end, he gets a goal, and an uncharacteristic goal for him, uh, you know, a shot coming down the offside. He's usually a guy that's a net front guy, and he's able to find a, find a part of the net. I'm not exactly sure if it, if it hit Dowdy's stick, kind of reached out, but uh, nonetheless, he gets the game winner, and you know, just like the Kings did in Game One, rallying, winning in overtime, the uh, Oilers did that in Game Four, and boy, these next three games are just going to be—they're going to be breathtaking. If it, if they're anything like the first four we've had, these last three will be special. No, it's been incredible, and we talked about it um, on Friday, and and even a little bit on Wednesday of just how important the power play has been for teams and the teams that have won have done such a better job on the power plays the teams that haven't you look at how the rangers lost game four you look at how the islanders are down three games to one it's really just come down to either not converting on the power play or just giving up too many power play goals but edmonton's been special i mean dallas is at 43.8 percent but edmonton's clicking at almost 55 percent I mean, memo to Kings, don't take a penalty. When you're working at over 50%, even in this league, the way things are now, EJ, that's that's pretty astonishing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. And it just, it is a little bit. These, these games, I mean, no lead is safe. That's been the story of this season in a lot of ways, right? And maybe in the last couple of years, but certainly this season. And the power play, like... Edmonton had a historically good power play this year. It was up near, what, 32% on the season. The power play generally, though, forget about, you know, that's special. But the power play numbers for all the teams have been up. And so teams are having more success on the power play this year. And you're seeing it in the postseason as well. And, you know, the teams are, there's like, I always say, there's a sliver of difference between, 
you know, the top team in the playoffs and the last team. There's not a lot of difference between those teams. So if you could take advantage on the power play, maybe that could be different in, in the difference in games. And, uh, you know, we've seen it really throughout. The Bruins' power play was, was really a, a big part of the game against the Panthers uh, yesterday. Uh, Dallas had some power play goals. I mean, Carolina, I mean, that series, the Islanders' inability to score in the power play goals. Power play has really hurt them. So you're right, all the series, I think, uh, the power play and the special teams. That, you know, we always think they're going to be important, but they seem to be even more important this season. And let, let's go to that Islander series. Um, the big difference has not just been Carolina um, scoring on the power play and the Islanders not scoring. It's been the inordinate amount of power play opportunities that Carolina has gotten. They had, what, six power play opportunities in game two to the Islanders, none. Five yesterday, including a big five on three. Um, are, are the Islanders the reason for this? Are they just not being disciplined enough or – uh, or is something about Carolina's game just led to that discrepancy? Well, I mean, the Islanders play a, a hard game, right? Like, that's who they are. they got a veteran group. They play a hard game. They, they want to be physical, especially that, that last, uh, you know, that fourth line. You saw Matt Martin take, you know, what I thought was was not a real smart penalty at the end of period number one, and Carolina connected in the early part of the second period to take a 2 nothing lead on that one. And they've had some bad breaks, too. I mean, the Barzell, they called Barzell for embellishment yesterday. I mean, I thought that was just... Awful. I mean, I didn't see it. I mean, to be kind, I'll just be kind. I just did not see that at all. Nope. I mean, he got slammed into the boards. I don't see how that was embellishment. But, um, so some of the calls haven't been great that have got against it. But again, that is part of this for all these teams. I mean, in the Minnesota game last night, uh, there were some calls that went against Foligno that, you know, you look at him and you go, is that really a penalty right there? Or is it just that Foligno's a big horse that's trying to hit everybody in sight? And uh, sometimes when you do that, sometimes the referees are going to penalize you because they feel maybe you're charging or maybe you're coming up high. And these things happen kind of in, in a flash, right? So I think those things, you know, all teams deal with it. All teams have dealt with it in the playoffs. And the Islander fans, I think, probably feel more hurt by it because, you know, they had a game in which one team got six penalties, the Islanders got no power plays, and then in overtime, a missed call ends up uh, helping Carolina and get a great scoring chance, which they converted. So, you know, I think the Islander fan probably feels a little bit uh, yeah. by the officials in this, and I, and I understand it, but I understand it for all the teams, and I, just, I always say, officiating this sport is the hardest thing going. I don't think the referees go out there with anything in mind. I think they're just trying to call the game. But it's a really hard game to officiate. And uh, there are going to be these moments, and you have to try to play through it. And you have to, when you take penalties, you just have to put your head down and find a way to kill them. And it's been really difficult for teams, especially in the last uh, year or so. The power plays have just been much more effective. Maybe it's the, the video work. Maybe it's just the different things that people are doing on the power play. But it just seems like they've been much more dangerous. And that's what I want to talk to you about because EJ and I got to sit for a good portion of Game uh, 3, Rangers-Devils of the Garden together, and and we kind of reminisced about all those years on NHL Live where around this time, overwhelming majority of calls and emails we'd get, because this was before Twitter became like a big deal, was the NHL hates my team. (laughs) 
Yeah, and the officials hate my team. And they don't want the Islanders to advance. You know, they don't want the Canadian team to advance. Or Canada doesn't want the American team to advance. Like, And all the complaining that goes on with it. And we get it. Passionate fans are going to act this way. I'm sure it happens in other sports. But this is the one that we're the closest to. So sometimes we kind of roll our eyes with that. But... As you just mentioned, there's a couple of calls yesterday, the Felino call, the Barzell call, that left you kind of scratching your head a bit. And, and my only complaint, EJ, is it seems like penalties are up, that they're calling a lot more in these playoffs than they did at least at, at first blush during the regular season. And and if that's the case and the feeling is we want to call more penalties, are you as an official going to err on the side of, yeah, I'm going to throw my arm up? And if that's the case, then then uh, I think that would be a bad job. But do you do you sense it's just one of those things that penalties are up? Is it an edict from the league? What? Why do you think penalties, at least early on here, seem to be up more than they were in the regular season? Well, I think that the league and, and you know, the referees are led by Stephen Walton, a former official. I, I, I think that they're trying to maintain a standard, and, and particularly with stick fouls and you know, you see any time a guy gets his stick kind of parallel to the ice, into the hands, even if it looks like a kind of what you call a tic-tac penalty, that gets called way more now. And in overtime, you're more likely to get a penalty in overtime than you ever were in the past, right? I mean, I can remember going back to 1980, game one of the cup final, it was the Flyers and Islanders, and the Flyers were called for a penalty in overtime, and the Islanders won on a power play goal. And that was like, that was like shocking news like that you know there would be a penalty called in overtime <laughs> you know and a team would win a game on a power play in overtime and you see that obviously way more now than you did than you did then but I, I just think they're trying to maintain a standard as best they can these guys are just so fast the players they compete so hard they have sticks in their hands you know they're trying to be physical um you know they're, they're desperate to win these games i mean and I, and I just think, you know, you could throw all that in a hat together and mix it up. I, I think it makes for just more penalties because it's a hard, like I said at the top, it's a hard job. And they are trying to maintain a standard of sorts. And they don't catch them all. And they miss them sometimes. And sometimes they call a penalty that isn't there. Just because, again, it's like I would, I would tell people to try it sometimes. <laughs> you know, go out there on skates and, and, and try to look through you know, 10 players that are absolutely flying and slamming into each other and really fouling each other constantly in the game. I mean, it's it's not something that they, it's just rare. I mean, it's happening every single interaction, you could almost call a penalty. So they're trying to maintain some sort of standard, and uh, they don't get it right all the time. It's as simple as that. And, I, and I'm, as I've said many times now, I'm going back to all our different conversations. At the end of the day, you have to find a way to play through it. You have to find a way to kill the penalty. You have to find a way to get the opportunity to take advantage of it. That's just the nature of it. And that's really why it's, you know, all those things I just described to you, this fast kind of frenetic pace of guys who are just so good at what they do and um, such so skilled and big and strong and fast. I mean, that's why we love it. So, you know, we'll see how things continue to play out. And as I always remind you, we had our friend Kevin Allen on the show many years ago doing a, an interview with us. And, you know, Kevin looked back and said, you know, go back and look at game stories from hockey games from the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. You'll always find stories about missed calls or bad calls. So it's just 
I think it's the nature of the sport that it's just very difficult to officiate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, I'm looking at um, how things are setting up possibly for the second round and how it is so vitally important, especially for older teams or just especially banged up teams like Boston, to be able to get a break. And, you know, Boston's up 3-1 on Florida. They got a bit of a scare with the Bergeron injury and losing game two at home, but they're up three games to one. And then you see Toronto and, and Tampa, you know, are beating each other up here in a best of two series. I mean, that really plays well for Boston, you know, um, and that's kind of what you need to make a run, right? I, th- I thought the Rangers last year kind of ran out of gas having to play 14 games in the first two yeah. rounds going against uh, Tampa. Um, that really bodes well for Boston. If they can finish things off here, I guess their next game is going to not be till Wednesday, I guess, um, yeah. that they're going to be able to get Bergeron back, you would think, for that game in Boston. And if Toronto and Tampa go seven, which it looks like it may, with so many games going overtime, so many goals, I mean, how how great could that be for Boston to sit there and get a little rest and watch Toronto and Tampa kill each other for seven games? Yeah, listen, any advantage is good, right? And, um, you know, give the Boston Bruins a ton of credit. How many teams, Don, in your memory, could lose their top two centers and go on the road and win both games. No. You know, like, can you imagine, like Pittsburgh, Crosby and Malkin out, not playing in a playoff series, go on the road and win both games. You know, Zetterberg, Datsuk, out, go on the road, win both games. Like, no. Go through the, you know, the history of this game. I mean, you know. Um, so give the Boston, they are loaded. They got a lot of depth. They've built a great culture there. Um, and they found a way to, to kind of regroup after I mean, They weren't shaking footing after game two. You know, they lost at home. They lost in a pretty by, – by several goals. And they had injury issues with Bergeron. Then we come to find out that, you know, Krejci was a late scratch for game three. He didn't play in game four. I mean, give the Boston Bruins a lot of credit. Now we'll see if they can finish things off. They're in a good spot. That would help them. The path is always important. Matchups and injuries, like I always say. Mm-hmm. And then there's the path. The path is setting up nice for the Rangers. If they can get back on track tonight and beat New Jersey and then fi- and win that series in five or six games, they get Carolina, who's missing some really important players and is really stretched offensively right now. Or if the Islanders rally in the series, they get an Islanders team that will have had to go seven games. Right. So the path, the path is good for the Rangers if they can take advantage. The path is good for the Bruins if they can take advantage. You know, the path for Colorado right now, they've got the series lead. If they can continue to push Seattle out of it and get through, Dallas and Minnesota are beating the daylights out of each other. 
the path to Colorado could be good. But you have to take advantage of those situations. And I, I'm not loving Minnesota with the back and forth with the goaltender stuff. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't I don't know how Flurry well, plays. Over. What's that? I think that's over. I think that's yeah, over. It's got to be over now, over. right? Yeah, I mean, well, like they did it for the for that second game. Which Gustafson was ridiculous. Well in three. Gustafson came back in four and played in game four, and he played okay. He wasn't as good as he was in the other games, but it was kind of a weird game and some – didn't have as many good fortune around the net. I, I don't see them going back to Flurry at this point. Although, listen, with Dean Everson, and you know, I, you never know. But it seems to me that Gustafson is a ride or die right now as they go into a, a best of three, basically. Uh, you know, with Game Five coming up on the horizon. Now, getting back to your Boston point with losing two centers, if you remember Montreal's run to the final, that a miracle run to the final. They benefited by playing teams that lost just one center. If you remember, right? Yeah. They they yeah. lost Tavares. Yeah. Tavares got got hurt yeah. in, in Toronto series. Yep. Shifley got suspended exactly. after game one and round two. No Stevenson in yeah. in the third round. Like so, imagine losing two. Yeah, it's uh, and again, it goes to show you now the Bruins were able to take advantage of you know give Don Sweeney a lot of credit. He was able to take advantage of the situation he was in when Taylor Hall got hurt. It opened up some cap room. He added. Tyler Tuesday, he went out and got Orloff and got and got Hathaway. I mean, he added really some significant depth to his group. And uh, you know, and then Taylor Hall got healthy at the right time. He was brilliant in the game yesterday. So, you know, they're a deep team, but right now, I mean, I think it's Coyle and Zaka are their their top two centers. I think Frederick is playing in the middle and Nosik. So that's you know, that's a lot different look, right, than Bergeron, Krejci, Coyle, one, two, three down the middle. So uh, they found a way, and uh, you know we'll see if they can they get an extra day off. Bergeron may play in Game Five. I don't know about Krejci, but the good news is there. They're up three-one. They've won the last two with the lineup they have. Maybe they just stand pat with the lineup they have and try to finish it's it off that way and give those guys even a couple more days off. Yeah. I wouldn't mess. I mean, they still gave up 44 shots. I know Florida was down and all that, but, you know, big third period for Boston. So that's always a little dicey, too. Florida's a pretty good team. You don't want to mess around. But you're right. Sometimes it's worked so far for them outside of the game. Two loss. Look like they'll be in pretty good shape. You know, uh, Hamilton scores in overtime for the Devils, and they're back in that series. But if you take a look at the game itself, I mean, I don't think the Rangers should be that disappointed other than their power play because that was the difference. And, you know, the Devils only had 23 shots on goal through 60 minutes. They they did not have a five-on-five goal until the overtime tally from, from Dougie Hamilton. Um, that was the difference because if, if the Rangers cash in on a couple of power plays like they did in game one and two, there's really no difference between the three games. To me, that was really the only difference. Did you see it any differently? I, I, I saw yeah similar similarly than you. I mean, yeah, they had power play opportunities. They didn't score, and that was it. The Devils made some changes to their power play. Luckily, they were a little more aggressive. Lindy Ruff talked about the fact that they made it harder for the Rangers to enter the zone. Still, I thought the Rangers got into their set and got some chances, but uh, I thought particularly in the first period that Kara Schmidt was really good. He made a stop on, on Zibanejad who was in the high slot, just a rocket, and he was able to get kind of a blocker or a shoulder on it. On that first power and, play, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think Schmidt came in and played really well. He steadied the Devils. So the Devils have been better on the road all year. For whatever reason, they've just been a better team on the road. they got their feet under them a little bit now. 
I do think it's still going to be an uphill battle for them because the Rangers are just so deep in every area. And, and Sesterkin was great the other night. I mean, he got beat by two kind of crazy good shots. So, you know, I think the Rangers will score more. They'll figure things out around the front of the net. But, you know, give the Devils a chance now. I mean, they, they got to win. They, they play well on the road. And if Akira Schmidt comes in, I mean, we've seen that movie before, Donnie, where a guy comes in and plays really well, and all of a sudden the team gets confident. So, Tonight is obviously a huge turning point game. If the Rangers were to win, three to one, going to a place where they've had a lot of success, you lose. Now we're in a two out of three. So now it's against anybody. And you'd have the Devils with momentum, and you'd have the Devils with a goalie yeah. who has won both of his starts. So obviously, this is a you know as it always is in two one series. Game four is a real, real turning point in the series. You know, I was talking to Matty Lachlan, the radio voice of the Devils, and he said after game two they had. Um, Scott Gomez on and they were yeah. just debating like what do you do with, with, with Vanacek who really wasn't bad I mean he's not the reason they were yeah. down two games to none uh, should yeah. he come back and play in game three and Scotty said you know sometimes just going into the room and making a change like that is a good thing like you just you're down to nothing yeah. to just go in and say and see the same goalie and kind of the same lineup although the Devils you know tinkered here and there with Sharon Govitz yeah. and Boquist and all that but just sometimes making that change can just be a good thing for a team that just needs a spark. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you do it. And, uh, you know, and Schmidt has been a good goalie for them all year. So not really, uh, you know, not. it's not like they're just bringing somebody out of nowhere. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that kid has played very well for them this year, and he's calm under pressure, and he played, he showed out really well in, in game three, and I would expect I would expect more of the same. I think he's been good all year. I mean, I don't know yeah. if he's going to be able to fight off the Rangers if the Rangers are getting power play chances or their offense gets going. But you know, that was a tight game three. There wasn't a lot out there, and you know, we'll see what happens in game four. Now, I want to I want to tap into your expertise because you know you, you you play and you you were a scout, so you kind of know what's going on in the head of some of these players. We were not sitting together for the first two periods on Saturday. Yeah. Um, it was on your side of the ice, Timo Meyer falling in to Shesterkin, which actually led to a roughing penalty on Shesterkin because he started hammering Meyer. And then Panarin got into it with Ball, and it led to a power play in which the Devils cashed in on on the Jack Hughes goal that some, especially Devil fans, feel like Meyer intentionally fell on to Shesterkin and, and caused all that. Uh, you were there. Do you think there was any intent on Meyer's part? Well, it's hard to get into a guy's head, right? But when I watched it, I don't think he was avoiding um, <laughs> right. that result. Um, you know, let's face it, they're trying to shake up Igor Shosturkin, whatever they can. And I, I know from watching Shosturkin in his, in his couple of years here that when anybody kind of gets invo- anybody gets near him, he does, uh, there is a little bit of a histrionics that take place. Uh, he's, he, he does, uh, you know, he gets, he gets emotional, you know, and um, so maybe the Devils were trying to tap into that a little bit to kind of get him off his game. But uh, yeah, when I look back, when I think about that in my mind, you know, it didn't seem like uh, Timo Meyer was was trying necessarily overly to get to not fall on him. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm not in his head, and you know, the situation is happening fast there, and. You know, there's a net there. This guy's pushing in a different direction, so it's hard. But, I mean, my observation was, yeah, he looked like he didn't mind kind of, oops, sorry. Yeah, I don't think there's an intent to <laughs> injure, but if it's to get in his head. And listen, if you're going to get that kind of reaction, EJ, it's not like it's going to stop now. 
<laughs> right? I mean, yeah, you know, right. you know, and Igor's an emotional guy, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've done the games. You've seen it. So, you know, it is it is kind of crazy. There's a couple of series we haven't touched on: Golden Knights, Jets. Uh, tough break for the Jets, although they were down 4-1. They were lucky to just be able to get to overtime. Lowry's been so good for them with four goals, including the game tire with 22 seconds to go, but kind of a fluky goal. Not to take anything away from Matteo, it was how he got the puck. It was, it was kind of fluky, but what's your thoughts on that series? Well, I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights were really in a spot. They needed to win that game after they blew the lead, right? Because if Winnipeg wins, now they have all the momentum. And, you know, they're at home. Now, the real negative for Winnipeg is that Morrissey gets hurt. He's out for the series, according to Rick Bonus. So, I don't, I don't know how you, you know, let's face it, you could still win. That's just the nature of the sport. But it's really difficult to replace those minutes and what Josh Morrissey does for the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe it's a rallying cry. I mean, he was out of lineup and they rallied in the game. But, um, you know, that's a huge loss for the Winnipeg Jets. And for the for the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, after the first, uh, I'd say, 85 minutes of this series, it almost looked like it was going to be a sweep for the Jets. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights were lost. They were just awful. First game, couldn't get anything going, 17 shots. Second game, first period, barely get anything going into the second period. And then somehow the switch flipped, and the Vegas Golden Knights kind of found their game again, and maybe it's Mark Stone, his return. I mean, who's been – he stepped right in and played, especially in game two, was really a, a helpful a difference maker. But uh, Vegas certainly found their game again. But that's, it looks like, you know, it's, again, there's a sliver of a difference between these teams, and you can see it in well, the series, right? I mean, they split two in, in Vegas. They play uh, a game that, you know, 4-1, 4-4, overtime, second overtime. It's tight, you know, so – uh, give Lauren Bressois a lot of credit for Vegas because I thought in game two in the first period, Winnipeg had a number of good scoring chances, and Lauren Bressois played excellent in that uh, in that 20-minute period. And if it had not been for him, maybe Winnipeg rolls to a winning game two and is on a roll. So he's been very good for the uh, for the Golden Knights as well as someone that we don't expect. You know, he's someone that's been a career backup but getting his opportunity now, and he's playing well. And uh, give credit to Seattle. You know, they're hanging in against the Avalanche, and they've actually done a great job of controlling that Avalanche power play that really hasn't gotten very much going. But five on five, they've just been incredible, and that was a big win for the Avalanche on the road uh, in Seattle uh, in, to take the 2-1 series lead. And uh, probably not the greatest of goaltending from Grubauer as he allows – well, the one was an empty net, but the five goals on what ended up being, what, like 33 shots. But uh, your thoughts on that series? Well, I'll tell you what, the Avalanche, uh, the Kraken have the Avalanche attention now. Maybe they didn't have it in yeah. game one and, uh, you know, halfway through game two, right? It was 2 nothing in the second period for for Seattle. And, and Seattle has played Colorado tough in every single game they've played this year. So um, I think at the end of the day, you know, they do need Grubauer to be the difference. You know, I think Colorado has just got more dynamic weapons, although now they have Nichushkin is away from the team for personal reasons, so that is another big loss. He is a big, strong power forward, and you, you combine that with uh, Landeskog being out. I mean, those are two big pieces, so I'm hoping that uh, Nichushkin can back can back soon as possible. It's just really unfortunate that uh, that's the situation, but we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But uh you know, Colorado is Seattle's got Colorado's full attention, and 
you know, again, Colorado could put themselves in a good position if they can go into Seattle and get another win and kind of push the Seattle Kraken back and then get home and maybe finish this thing off. And I'm not saying they're going to do that because the Seattle play is just, they're coming in waves. I mean, this series has been maybe the fastest back and forth of any series, uh, just that played at the highest mm-hmm. speed. Um, but yeah, if they could do that, they put themselves in a good position because of the nasty nature of Dallas and Minnesota. You know, in the other Central Division uh, first-round series. So, but Colorado is, uh, you know, they understand that they're in a dogfight right now, and you know they're shorthanded with missing some of those forwards. So we'll see if Seattle can get back on track. All right, good stuff, buddy. Looking forward to talking to you next Monday. All right, you got it, my friend. All right, that is that is the great EJ Raddick. So good to see him on Saturday, hanging, uh, watching hockey with him, and he's so, he's so good. If you don't know EJ's background, EJ. You know, you think of him working for ESPN, the magazine, covering not just the NHL, but covering a lot of other sports. But he was a scout for the Dallas Stars, and he he really knows the game in and out. So just kind of an education, working with him on NHL Live back in the day, being a friend and, and, and just BSing about hockey and then just sitting watching hockey games with him. Uh, it is an education, so it was a lot of fun. I got to hang with John Giannone for the first two periods, uh, talking to him, Steve Aliquette, hang out with him a little bit. So with the game being on national television, some of the MSG guys were available to kind of hang with and haven't seen a lot of those guys in a long time. So a lot of fun on Saturday, even though it wasn't the greatest day for the Rangers. But again, you know, the Devils are going to be heard from. You know, sweeping a series is difficult. I don't know who it is. There will be no sweeps in the first round of the playoffs because – well, these teams are, you know, not maybe even is probably too strong of a statement, but these teams earn their way to get into the second season. We talk about it all the time, how it's not a fait accompli to make the playoffs in the NHL. Good teams missed. So you know that you've earned the right to be there, and it's difficult to sweep a team. And, heck, they lost in overtime. So uh, I'd expect a really good game four, and then maybe you get a little nervous if the Devils win tonight, and it's even at two games apiece going back uh, to the Rock. But as EJ said... The Devils have been good on the road all year, so uh, we'll see what happens tonight. That's a 7 o'clock start of the pre and post for that. 7.30, the Leafs and the Lightning from Tampa, and that's a 2-1 series in favor of Toronto. 9.30, Vegas and Winnipeg in Winnie, and that is a game four, and that's 2-1 in air of Vegas. And then at 10 o'clock, the Avalanche and the Kraken, another game on the road for Colorado as they lead that series two games to one. So we'll be back again on Wednesday. We'll make it interactive. You want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag game is conduct. best way to do that. And we'll get a lot of your tweets in on Wednesday. Thanks for hanging. Thanks to Anthony Pustick. Thanks to EJ Raddick. Back with you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.